the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Bible describes events that will mark the last days, or end times. 2 Timothy 3.1 says, This know also, that in the last days perilous times shall come. Matthew 24.44 tells us, Therefore you must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour when you do not expect Him. Bible teacher Ron Geyer leads us through Scripture that will help us to remain strong in the Lord. End Time Insights with Bible teacher Ron Geyer starts now. Praise the Lord, everybody. Happy Holy New Year. This is Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. This is the first show of the year, and I welcome you. Thank you so much for joining us. I don't really have a word for the new year, but I can just tell you as we go from day to day in the body of Christ, there are things that you will experience in 2020. You know, it's an election year. We have a wonderful opportunity to stand up for righteousness, to support men and women that are boldly exemplifying their faith and their holy living in the political realm. And it's going to be a time of great trials and increased persecution in 2020, I can tell you that much. But that's not bad news because, you know, Israel got its greatest miracles during times of their persecution. Uh, They saw God when they were in the midst of their greatest troubles. And it's going to be the same way. And we've got fabulous spiritual rewards for us if we will remain faithful. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. We want to be steadfast. We want to make sure that we are faithful. Because as we come through the trials and the persecution, the end result is always the same. We are going to get to know God better. I want to talk to you today about living for God in perilous times. This is like our fifth or sixth week. We started this show back in December of 2019. And we spoke about, we pretty much set the table for you on where America is and where is the church in America. And we talked about the things that we are facing. We spoke about lawlessness the biblical view on lawlessness in the end days. Lawlessness is a sure sign that we are in the very last days. We also talked about deception, how America is being fed daily, nightly news broadcast, uh, entertainment shows, movies, videos, social media, national media. We are being fed a steady diet of deception. We've got to be wise. We talked about the false teachers, the false prophets. We talked about the apostasy, which is here already. And we laid it out for you. We painted a picture, a biblical picture of the end days about Paul talked about them. He called them the perilous times that we're living in. Today, I want to show you what some of these same writers with Jude and Peter and Paul and even Jesus. I want to show you what they said about how the church should be living in this perilous times. And it's really neat. We've set the tone for you. We've gone ahead and painted you a picture of today's America, today's culture. Now we want to go ahead and paint for you the picture of how the church lives triumphantly in the midst of this time of depravity and wickedness. Jude, are you familiar with Jude? It's only one chapter, Jude 1. The whole chapter talks about basically a description and a warning and end times assessment of what is happening. And Many call that type of teaching doom and gloom, and I just want to show you in the Word, that's false. That is not what it is, and Jude actually says it in verse 3, I think it is. 
uh, he has advice for the church, and he's letting them know that uh, this is the life that we're living in. This is the dangers. But I've got some advice for you. I'm going to read Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was delivered unto the saints. So he was going to write something else. He wanted to talk about salvation. He wanted to talk about love. He wanted to talk about Jesus. He wanted to talk about faith. But the Holy Spirit checked him and he says, no, 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 no. The time for you to talk about that is not now. I want you to talk about end times. I want to talk to you about the dangers. I want to talk to you about the battle that the church is going to be in. And he said that this is needful for me to write unto you and to exhort you. So people would say, well, he gave dark forebodings about what was happening with the false prophets and everything like that. Yes, he did talk about that, but he says, I'm using that to exhort you. I'm not painting a bad picture. I'm not condemning. I'm not even judging. I am just letting you know this is what's going to happen. And the Holy Spirit wants me. He says the phrase is, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should fight that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. And when it means earnestly contend for the faith, he's not talking about your individual faith or my individual faith. He's talking about the faith, the total package of truth written in the Bible. He's talking to you about the whole package, the whole nine yards, everything that was written in the Bible. That is the faith. It's how we live. He says you need to fight for that. And the phrase earnestly contend there's a word there. It's epigonizomai, epigonizomai, and it comes from the word that was used somewhere else in the Bible. It says agonizomo, and that's when Jesus is talking about strive to enter in at the straight gate, for narrow is the way that leads to life, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and the word there for strive was agonizomo. This comes from that, and it literally translates Effort in combat, intensive combat. This is a super intensive type of combat that you will have to be doing in order to live a successful life for God in these perilous times. He goes, I was going to write to you about salvation. I was going to give you happy, happy stuff. I was going to give you easy stuff. I was going to give you the milk of the word. But the Holy Spirit stopped me. He said, this is a message that's needed for the end time church. And it's so important that we make sure that we are contending for the faith. God did not put us in a playground. He put us in a battleground. And we have got to understand we are on assignment. The Bible talks about that in the last days during the millennial reign, in the next age where the church is moved to, we are going to be ruling and reigning with Christ. We are going to be judging. We are going to be in charge. We're going to be mayors. We're going to be magistrates. We're going to be in charge of cities, townships. I don't know the extent of it, but we need to start exercising that dominion now so that we are prepared when he calls upon us to do this in the millennial reign of Christ. So we see that Jude tells the church that they need to contend for the faith. Also, we see where in Second Peter, no, Second Timothy, I'm sorry, Paul talks about pretty much the same thing, except Paul is now talking to Timothy. And remember, in 2 Timothy 3, he gives the 19 characteristics of end-time mankind's behavior, which is wretched. It is wicked. It is evil. And after he gets done with that, Paul tells Timothy, okay, 2 Timothy 4, 1 through 5, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, Timothy, preach the word. Be instant in season, be instant out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. 
Paul just gets done explaining to Timothy, hey, tough times are ahead, perilous times, fierce times, times of danger. There's times where you will not be able to escape from the lifestyle that's going on. In the midst of that, I want you. I am charging you. And this is a holy, solemn, this is a intensive, a passive charge that Paul is giving to Timothy. He's charging him before God. This is your assignment, Timothy. I am ordering you to do this. I'm ordering you as before God. God is my witness and the Lord Jesus Christ is my witness. I am giving you this charge in their presence. This is heavy stuff, man. This is not any light. Oh, by the way, I suggest, Timothy, that you do this. No, 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 no. He has put a holy divine charge upon Timothy to make sure that this gets done. He wasn't just before God and before Jesus. It was before God and before the Lord Jesus Christ. He referred to him as the anointed one, the Messiah. Man, this is very heavy duty. And this is a lot to put on young Timothy. But obviously, Paul knew that he was up for it. I'll read it again, 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge thee, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Notice that. He hasn't given him the charge yet. He has stated that I am charging you with this responsibility, okay? But he reveals that in the midst of this responsibility, I want to let you know one thing before I give you this charge that Jesus is going to judge the quick and the dead at his appearing. That is so important. That is the basis on which I'm giving you this charge, Timothy. You got to have your A-game going. You got to bring it. I am going to tell you something. I am giving you this assignment before the Lord God, before Jesus Christ himself. Wow, Timothy, what, what is it? What is it? Verse 2, preach the word. America is in trouble because the church is in trouble because the church is left off preaching the word of God. We have let our feelings in the pulpit dictate how we want to talk about things. We have let political correctness tell us how we can present things. You know, uh, we would do marriage classes. Uh, We wrote a book. We had a great marriage ministry, and we really were involved, used by God to rescue couples that were in trouble. Once again, it wasn't any lighthearted grace type of ministry we had. We got down on our knees. We prayed with couples. We gave them the word of God. We fought their battles with them. We kept them from divorce. We just put them back together. Ladies used to come up to me when my wife with a little brand new baby in their hands and they would say, you know, if it wasn't for the classes you taught, if it wasn't for the word of God that you gave us, this child would not be alive. And I mean, that's just so awesome. But that's the power of the word of God. We would be teaching a class on marriage in one room and right next to us there was divorce class. And I would sit there and I would block people from going into the divorce. I go, are you divorced? They go, no. I said, you need to be in this room. Get back in this room because we were not willing to give any couples over to Satan. But I say that because it reminded me as we fight for America right now, the strength of our nation is where? It's in its churches. The strength of a nation is in its churches. The strength of a church is in its families. And the strength of a family is in the union between a man and a woman in Christ Jesus. And we need to make sure that we are protecting everything that God has given us. And marriage was so important in that. Here, Paul is telling Timothy, man, you must Preach the word of God. You will not have a successful ministry. You are not going to be able to save people from judgment 
that God's about to bring on this nation if you do not preach the word of God. He says, I want you to preach it when you're ready. I want you to preach it when it's comfortable. I want you to preach it when you're not ready, when it's not comfortable. I want you to preach it when you're being welcomed. I want you to preach it when you're being rejected. I want you to preach it in the choir when they're exalting and glorifying the name of Jesus. I want you to preach it when they're kicking you when you're down. I want you to preach the word of God. The Bible says the word of God is alive and it's powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. Jesus Christ is that word. The word dwelt among us and became flesh. Jesus said, if you would live in me and let my word live in you, you will have what you will. I want to trust you with my will, but you must allow my word to live in you. The word's going to live forever. You know, the Bible never said that God would watch over you. The Bible says that God's given his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways, to bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. But he also said, if you would live in me and let my word live in you. So the way I get God to personally watch over me is by letting his word live in me, because he promised to watch over his word to perform it. So I not only got angels watching over me now, I've got God watching over his word, which I have placed inside of me. But the point here is that Timothy is told, he's charged by Paul in front of God and Jesus with a holy charge, a divine charge, you must preach the word. And why? Because it says in verse 3, for the time will come when they're not going to endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth. They shall be following fables. But you, Timothy... Watch in all things, endure the persecutions, endure the afflictions, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of your ministry. That's why you must preach the word of God. And Paul plainly tells you right there, preaching the word of God is not only going to result in salvation, but it's going to result in people that are being turned away from the truth because they think that some of these truths are hard. I told you in Jude, when Jude would go ahead and he would warn them about the false doctrines, the false teachers, the false grace preachers, when he told them that, many call that today, it's doom and gloom, and they shut us off, and they say, well, I'm not going to listen to you. You're not giving me a positive, happy message. And yet Jude says, I'm exhorting you. I'm not condemning you. I'm exhorting you with these words, and we need to pay attention to the word of God that's being preached. We saw that Peter also in Second Peter chapter 3. Peter tells the body. So we see Jude telling the church. We see Paul telling Timothy. We see Peter now telling the body. And he starts off in verse 11, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. Seeing then, he just got through telling them about the end time. He got telling them that the earth is going to be uh, redone because of sin. We're going to get a new heaven. We're going to get a new earth. And he says, seeing that all these things, that you have known these things, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person should you be in all manner of holy living? Skip down to verse 14. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, the new heaven, the new earth, the return of Christ, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that you may be found in peace without spot, blameless, and account that the long-suffering of God is salvation. And in verse 16, and also in all Paul's epistles, speaking in them of these things, which are some things hard to be understood. You can't shy away from the hard parts of the gospel. You can't shy away from the parts of the gospel that are going to challenge you, that make demands upon you. It's very important because the Bible says that they wrestle with these doctrines and it causes their destruction. I read it right here, which they are that unlearned in the scriptures, as they do also the other scriptures, this redounds to their own destruction. And here's the key, Peter, to the church, verse 17. You, therefore, beloved, seeing you know these things before. 
if we will teach Jesus the return of Christ, if we will teach about the dangers to the body of Christ today, if we will let them know that there's false teachers, let them know that lawlessness is a sign of the great apostasy that is here in these last days, if we will share that information with the church, the Bible says, seeing you know these things beforehand, you can then become aware, lest you also being led astray with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness. There are dangers out there, but the church gives us warning. Peter warns the church. Jesus warns the church. Jude warns the church. Paul tells Timothy, who's representative of the church. We have these warnings here. And they're not by way of doom and gloom, but they're by way of encouragement. Let me show you what Jesus said in Matthew. We are trying to give you the ammunition, the information that they put in the Bible to help you live successfully for God in perilous times. Uh, Matthew 24, one of my favorite scriptures is verse 45. We'll get there. But Jesus, just like in Ephesians, they tell you, watch. Paul tells the church at Ephesus, watch. Jesus is telling us, watch, therefore, for you don't know what hour your Lord is coming back. But know this, that if the good men of the house had known in what watch the thief would come, he would have watched and he would not have allowed his house to be broken up. There's a warning right there. We're supposed to be watching. Watching what? Watching the warnings that Paul gave, that Peter gave, that Jude gave, that Timothy even gave, that Jesus gave. We're supposed to be paying attention to these warnings. That is not all that we're doing, but we are watching. Verse 44, therefore be ready for in such an hour as you don't think the son of man is coming. That's when he's coming. He's going to come. If you are not watching, if you are not ready, if you are not earnestly contending for the faith, if you are not preaching the word, this day is going to come upon you as a thief. Verse 45 then, who then is a faithful and wise servant? I got my hand up in the air. I believe I am a faithful and wise servant, not because I'm great, because I'm allowing the Holy Spirit of God to live for God through me. Who then is a faithful and wise servant whom his Lord has made ruler over his household to give them, the one that they're ruling over, meat in due season? I spoke about this scripture before. If you have a husband and you're in a family, you have a household, you have been given charge over them. If you're a teacher in a school, if you are a manager in a radio station, if you are a pastor in a church, if you are a in charge of children's church, if you babysit, you have been given charge. If you're a business owner, if you're sacking groceries, you have been given charge over the people in your sphere of influence. And Jesus says in the last days, if you want to be considered a wise servant, if you want to be considered a faithful servant, you must be giving them meat in due season. I don't eat steak every night as much as I would love to. But there's a due season when I do eat steak. For instance, my family, we grew up in New York, Irish Catholic, and every Easter we had ham and turkey, and every Christmas we had turkey, and every summer we had brisket. I mean, that's just how we lived. There was a season. Well, there's a season for the certain aspects of the Word of God today, and we just reviewed why. Because the environment in which America is living in, it's not your granddaddy's environment. It's a totally different world. Pornography is on every visual form of media that you can see. There's vile speech. There's corrupt communication on the televisions, on the broadcast. Shock jocks where they say anything. There's no restraint. That's one of the 19 characteristics of end time mankind's behavior at the end. It talked about that there would be no restraint from what people say, from what people think, from what people do. This is the environment that we live in. 
we talked about lawlessness. It's defined not only by how many people break how many laws they can, but by creating new laws that violate the word of God. We need to be so aware of the environment that we're living in because the tendency, Jesus said, is that you will drift back into the righteousness doesn't undo the leaven in the loaf. The leaven undoes the righteousness. You've got to understand that. The Bible talked about that a little leaven leavens the whole loaf. If you consider yourself leaven, that's a type of bread that the Jews had to eat. If you consider yourself unleavened bread, that's fine. But the leaven will come and it'll corrupt the entire loaf. And that is what the world is doing to the church today. The apostasy is here. We spoke about it last week. Many will be lost We talked about it, that most would be deceived. This is the environment, and we are giving you the word of God to help keep you from falling down and losing your salvation, losing your place, losing your reward. Let me read to you. It was in Jude. It was further in Jude. Jude chapter 1, verses 20 through 24. And this is how Jude is helping the church contend for the faith. Verse 20, but you, beloved, building yourselves up on your most holy faith, Praying in the Holy Ghost. One of the ways that you told the church that the Holy Spirit said, this is evil, you got to write this now. One of those things that the Holy Spirit wanted you to write was right here in verse 20, that you are building yourselves up on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. That's a weapon that you have to keep you unspotted from the world. Verse 21, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. Verse 22, Have compassion on some, making a difference. Jesus, the miracles that Jesus did time after time after time in the Bible, you are going to see that his motivation was compassion. He had compassion on the people. We need to keep ourselves in the love of God while we are being challenged. Yes, while we are being beat up, while we're being criticized, while we're being corrected for preaching the word of God, while we're receiving the persecution, while our faith is under attack, The Bible says, keep yourselves in the love of God and look for his mercy. I'm looking for mercy, not just for me, but I'm looking for mercy to you. I'm preaching this to you because there are such dangers out there. I know you don't get this on Sunday morning. I understand that. I don't criticize others for doing this. We do this as a servant. What is that game? Who wants to be a millionaire, right? Phone a friend or whatever. Well, consider us a friend. We're like a pastoral assistant. We are trying to help you get the word of God that's going to protect you. That's not very pleasant to be taught in the churches, but I can do it here on the radio. I hope you're listening. This stuff is invaluable. 23, verse 23. And Jude says, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garment that is spotted by the flesh. If you do not get saved rather soon, because like I said, these end time dangers that are prevalent are pointing to the fact that this is the time where the tribulation is right around the corner. And the only way to avoid the tribulation is to get saved. The church is not going through the tribulation. In Thessalonians, it says, we, the church, have not been appointed unto wrath. One day we'll do a sermon on wrath, but there's three types of wraths in the Bible. There's the wrath of God, there's the wrath of the devil, and there's the wrath of the lamb. The Bible promises you you're not going through wrath. What wrath? All of them. Jesus has saved you. You do not have to go through the tribulation period. You need to go ahead, get in your Bible, get in a good church, start studying for yourself, come to know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you will be protected during the time that's coming upon the earth that's going to try all of mankind. Let me read this one more time because this is so important. I want you to get this in your spirit. This is Jude chapter 1, verse 3. Beloved, when I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, 
it was needful for me, the Holy Ghost stopped me, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend, you create an intensive defense, you are involved in close quarter, hand-to-hand combat, I want you to earnestly contend for the faith. That is my warning to you today. That is my encouragement to you today. I pray that you heed the word of God. I definitely would recommend that you read Jude chapter 1. It takes you probably, there's only one chapter, it probably takes you all of five minutes, six minutes. I want to announce also that we're getting ready to do our Patriots for Christ class at West Houston Christian Center. Uh, We're voting on whether it's going to be the third or the fourth week in January. I will have the definitive date for you next week. We're going to talk about it's an election year. We're going to connect the church with America as it was at the beginning. We are going to go ahead and show you the scriptures and how the church has jurisdiction in the realm of the spirit over Washington, D.C. We will study the Constitution. We'll talk about the founding fathers and their faith. We'll give you biblical examples of how the church is supposed to behave during this end time battle. Let me pray for you before I go. I hope you have a great year, a holy year. Happy to, but the accent should be on holiness. Father, I thank you for those that listen to the show, this radio station. I shout grace to them. I pray faith and strengthened. I thank you that you're going to put in them a supernatural hunger for the word of God, that they would desire the sincere milk of the word, that they would grow thereby, Father. I pray that they would come to know you and the power of your resurrection and the fellowship of your suffering, Father God. Bless them and keep them till next week. I'm Ron Geyer with End Time Insights. Thank you for joining us for End Time Insights with Ron Geyer. Listen again next Sunday night at 8. If you would like to contact Ron, email him at gospelguy at comcast.net.